You can go from I should start a podcast to actually starting a podcast with Spreaker. Spreaker's tools allow you to record, manage, distribute, and monetize any podcast idea, whether it's about your business or even your cat. And as your podcast grows, Spreaker helps you manage your success and even monetize it. That means all you need to get started is a microphone and a really good idea. Learn more and get 30% off at Spreaker.com slash get started. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R dot com slash get started. to the portrait on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, examining the Word of God, following the example of the Book of Acts Church. We don't water it down, we don't filter it, and in doing so, we get a deeper perspective of Scripture and how the early church served the Lord. The portrait was created to restore the priesthood of the believer and regain that world-shaking influence that the early church had. And in doing so, we believe we have found the church Lord intended, not the one that man created. The church age is still in effect. The fire still falls. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The Porch is an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc. On solomonsporch.org is that website. If you have any questions, you can go there. Or you can go directly to firefalltalkradio.com and reach out to us. Ways to support us there. Thank you to each and every one of you that do support us for your encouragement and just being a part of the ride that we've been on since 2010. We ask that if you can, give us the Lord leads as the Word inspires. And remember, sowing and reaping. If all you do is take, sooner or later the harvest will die. So don't let that happen to you. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site for Firefall Talk Radio, Spreaker.com forward slash user forward slash Firefall Talk Radio, all one word, lowercase. Welcome to all of our listeners. Session two of the C Conference is finally done and uploaded. I'll be sending out the link to that. If you're paying attention to the news, Israel is under attack. 350 rockets so far have been sent from Gaza into Israel. Israel's Iron Dome has stopped 90% of them, but the ferocity and number of rockets is overwhelming the system, and some are getting through, and homes and buildings are being damaged, people are being hurt. At least one million Israelis spent last night in a bomb shelter. Now think if that was America, that was your city or where you lived, you'd want this to stop, and you'd want your government to make it stop. But the world has tied Israel's hands, and they know if they go in there and do what they need to do, the world will side against them. This is really not a good situation. Please keep Israel and the Israeli people in your prayers. So I praise the Lord for my home, for my wife, my family, my sons, daughter-in-laws, my grandson, our furry kids, and all the possessions and things that the Lord has given us. Everything we have is from him. I praise him for his protection, this ministry that he lets me work, the dreams and the visions, um, which are pretty intense and numerous right now. Praise him for his healing virtues. A lot of people are sick, changing the weather. It's warm, it's cold, there's snow, just a lot of bizarre things happening, uh, diseases being resurrected. Just You really have to stay prayed up and on guard. So I praise him for his healing virtues. I praise him for the ability to praise him. Yes, things in America are really um, cuckoo for Cocoa Pups right now, to, to use a phrase. But God is in control, and we must keep our eyes on him. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for living in a nation that allows us to do this, for being a new creation and living in these prophetic times and watching you work. We praise you for the signs that you're getting ready to come back, Lord. We 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 want to be ready. If, if you're not ready, folks, get ready. Keep an eye on the sky and an eye on the job. And I, I praise you, Lord, for your favor and the revelation knowledge, and I praise you for your word and your Holy Spirit. 
Right now we pray for the Middle East. We pray for Israel and the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice. Folks, don't, don't let evil overwhelm you. We live in a fallen world. Satan is the god of this world. And evil, ugly things are going to happen. But we must keep our eyes on him and not allow the darkness to overwhelm us. Praying for our brothers and sisters around the world that are being persecuted, slaughtered for their faith. And the number of Christians that die every day is just amazing because they refuse to recant their faith in Jesus of Nazareth. Pray for the slaughter of the innocents in and out of the womb, the religious persecution, anti-Semitism, uh, the victims of sex trafficking, and all the ugliness that the enemy seems to be getting away with. We know his time is short. I pray for divine wholeness, health, and healing in each one of us to get back to our divine design. There's a new year coming. There's a new release coming. New assignment coming, so let's get healthy for it. So I pray healing in each and every one of us that are sick or injured or dealing with some kind of illness. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, touch us and heal us. Protect us. Protect us from the fallen. Protect us from uh, the demonic, their demonic offspring. Just keep us safe, hidden under the shadow of your wings. Inspire us, Lord. Empower us. I pray the remnant would rise up, wake up, answer the call to action. Be a blessing for those, Lord, that you have blessed. I pray that they would be a blessing that they would not hoard your blessing or make excuses or come up with, with reasons as to why they, they can't support kingdom business. I pray you send your Holy Spirit and convict them. Pray for the doors to open for Firefall and for SRT and for us to prosper and for this documentary to, to get out there and open people's eyes. Open the conduit of your blessings, Lord, and fund the dreams and the visions and the missions Protect and heal, Pastor Shelley. Give us divine favor, Lord, over the positive conclusion of a legal matter that we believe is pending. And we pray for our lost family members, Lord. We pray them into the kingdom right now. As I pray, think about a lost family member. Think about them. Maybe speak their name out loud. Father, we call them into the kingdom. We call them out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your Son, the kingdom of light. We pray them saved, healed, and delivered, Lord. And we thank you for it right now in Jesus' name. I want to ask for prayer for a brother of mine in Brooklyn, New York. His name is Joel. Joel was an integral part of my early walk with the Lord when I first got saved. We reconnected recently and uh, coming full circle to go back to work on some things. Well, he needs your prayers and intercession. His family's under attack. This past weekend, his granddaughter uh, was discovered to have pneumonia and rushed to the ER and is recovering. But then at the exact same time, his furry family member, a 14-year-old Anatolian shepherd named Caesar, also had pneumonia. Very odd coincidence. And... Uh, Caesar is a very important part of their family, and he's under medical care. So he needs your prayer um, for Caesar's healing and restoration, and they need your support. There's a GoFundMe page up to help them with the bills because it has um, escalated quickly. There's a uh, link to the page. If you want it, reach out to me. I'll let you know. If you're connected to me on Facebook, I posted it tonight. So if you can, help them out. Stacy in Texas is just asking for some serious prayer support right now. Kim in Fort Mitchell says it's been an interesting couple of weeks there. Uh, finally getting over the stomach bug, which she believes was the Novo virus. Said I never had anything that intense yet. It's pretty bad. Said we're all alive and he brought us through it. God is a healer. So I'm grateful for my salvation, even in the midst of the trials and the tribulations. He already knows the outcome and guides us through it. Father, thank you for keeping me sober every day, one day at a time. I'm grateful for my children, my husband, my dog, Bruno, my mother, the porch community. Uh, Kim says, Father, I prayed so hard for this college student that went missing in my area. They have arrested a person of interest. They're pretty confident. I read the articles today that she is no longer with us, but they have not found her yet, so Kim's just asking for prayer that they find her. 
She's asking you, Father, I ask you to heal Rhoda, Pastor Shelley, as well as Nicole. I'm praying for protection of my children, healing, deliverance, compassion, and patience with each other. Save my husband and my mother's soul. Bless us and favor us. Provide for the porch families and SRT. Protect your people and animals outside during this cold front. Just think as this cold front hits the northeast and it's pretty brutal and it's only early November. The homeless people on the streets and the animals that are being left outside by inconsiderate people. Father seems to be getting worse. Each time I try to fix one thing, the next thing comes out of nowhere. It's been going on for way too long. I know you're able, and I know this is not your will for me, Father. I need a miracle in Jesus' name. Well, Father, you know all these things even before I would bring them up. And to every person out there right now that is praying along with us and offering up prayers to you, you know them. But, Father, we have we have a now need, so we have now faith. Now faith is in you. Our now faith is in you. We believe and we receive, Lord. We receive healing. We see, receive provision. We receive the answers to prayer because you are as good as your word. You are not a practical joker. You are not a deceiver. You are bound by your word and bound by the truth of your nature. So we pray right now that you would fulfill your promises to us. We pray that you would send angelic intervention where it's needed. That you send a word of encouragement where it's needed. Healing where it's needed. Lord, there are people listening that have substantial medical needs. Healing needs in their bones in their skin, in their body, in their brains, in their hearts, their minds, their soul, and their spirit. And we just come together, each and every one of us right now, touch and agree that in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, they are healed. Glorify yourself through us, Lord. Clear our minds, clear our hearts, prepare us for this word, and just bless the technology and bless us, Lord. We just ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen. These lessons are proprietary information except where noted that the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information and the manner presented is exclusive, cannot be repeated or reused without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So here we are, part two of Belief in Unbelieving Times. We didn't get it all done last time. Let's back up a little bit. What is unbelief? Unbelief is a lack of a religious belief, an absence of faith. It's also disbelief of divine revelation, divine providence, or any scheme of redemption. Unbelief in the Bible is disobedience. It's distrust. It is the antithesis to faith. What do you need in unbelieving times, you need faith. You need to believe. Remember last week I gave you a homework assignment. I hope you did it. But if you have it, you need to start figuring out what do you believe and why do you believe it. You need to be able to give a defense of those beliefs and why you believe them. In love and compassion and patience. People are looking for answers, and they're finding it in all the wrong places. You could be the right place that they come to. But here's what I believe. I believe if you confess with your mouth that Yeshua is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. The Scripture says anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile the same in this respect. Same Lord who gives generously to all who call upon him. For all, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, Joel 2.32. That was the promise. But here's the catch. He, he's not just Savior. 
He's not just Messiah. He's Adonai. He is Lord over all of your life. And I think for the most part, the problem people have in their walk is that there are parts of their life that are not under his lordship. So go ahead, confess it with your mouth, believe it with your heart, but then make a decision to follow him. Make a decision to give it all up to him. That mind-heart synaptic connection that, that creates that spontaneous combustion of regeneration and salvation makes you a believer. But everything doesn't get fixed right then and there. You have to walk it out. And in everything you're struggling with, there is a source, there is a root to the problem. You have to figure out what that root is. Whatever you're dealing with right now, whatever is your cause of stumbling or tripping, whatever root you're catching your foot on, you need to figure out what it is. Because if you don't, you're going to keep tripping on it. It's going to keep coming back and it's going to keep making you fall. And the enemy will make sure of that. So let's rip out the roots and get it right. So now that we know what unbelief is, what is belief? Belief is a state or habit of mind in which trust or confidence is placed in some person or thing. For us, that is Jesus of Nazareth, King of kings, Lord of lords. Belief is something believed, a tenet, a body of tenets are held by a group. Well, that's the Bible. Belief is a conviction of the truth, of some statement, or the reality of some being or phenomenon, especially when based on examination of evidence. Well, we have that evidence. But here's a problem. Even with all of that, we mentioned this last week. That 3.1% of Americans are atheists and 4% are agnostics. People who believe that nothing is known or can be known of the existence or the nature of God. It's not they don't just believe in God. They just believe you can't even believe in God. How would you even know what you're believing in? I've heard some agnostics say, well, I really want to believe. No, no, you don't. You really don't. You want me to convince you, and that's not my job. My job is to tell you the truth. Then you decide. According to the Pew survey, 23% of Americans are agnostics. That, that's pretty large. And as I mentioned last week, almost as a joke, but it's the truth, two-thirds of atheists are Democrats. Well, there was, one, there was a famous agnostic. His name was Clive Staples, Staples Lewis. You know him as C.S. Lewis, one of the intellectual giants of the 20th century and one of its most influential writers. He was a fellow and a tutor of English literature at Oxford University until 1954. He was elected to the chair of the medieval and renaissance literature at Cambridge University, a position he held until his retirement. Wrote more than 30 books, huge audiences, thousands upon thousands of readers everywhere. You know those books, Mere Christianity, Out of the Silent Planet, The Great Divorce, The Screwtape Letters, and of course, the classics, the Chronicles of Narnia, which the Narnia books alone have sold over 100 million copies, as well as being transformed into three major motion pictures. Well, C.S. Lewis was at Cambridge University, and this is what he wrote. I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, and he's talking about Jesus. And the quote is, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman, or something else. C.S. Lewis adds, You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God, but let's not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us, and he did not intend to. Of all the great religious leaders in the world, only one 
said he was God, Jesus of Nazareth. But it still comes down to what do you believe? Josh McDowell, in his book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, in his chapter, Significance of Deity, The Trilemma, Lord, Liar, or Lunatic, now is the option through use of a flow chart. At the top is the statement Jesus claims to be God, followed by the title, Two Alternatives. Either his claims were false and he was lying or sincerely deluded, or his claims are true and he is God. There is no middle. And I meet people that believe that he is God, believe that he is Lord, believe all the things we're talking about, but their lives deny that fact. You can tell me all you want what you are, but the fruit of your life will tell me what you truly are. Deception is on the rise. It's everywhere we look. Every day I see something else and I I just shake my head and think, well, nobody's going to believe that. And I see that thousands do. False teachers and preachers and, and con men and con women up on stage and they say things that do not line up with the word, can't be found in the word, and they they excuse it off. Well, well, this is a new revelation. God's doing something new. Well, anything he does is going to line up with his word. So if you're telling me it's something new and it's not his word, then I know it's not from God with a capital G. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when these will be, things will be, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Yeshua answered and said, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. Just because someone says that he is the Messiah or he is the Christ means nothing. Does their life, their choices, and their actions confirm that they know him. I mean, I was blessed to sit under a great teacher, Pastor Robert Shelley. I talk about him a lot, mention him a lot in my book. I, I was blessed that the Lord did that for me. But I've met a lot of people that sit under false teachers, let's call them what they are, or people that are slightly off. They're that one degree off on the compass. And then eventually they get really, really lost. I've met people like that, that you'd hear what they would teach and what they would say, or you'd have discussions with them, and you go, well, he loves the Lord, and he, I think he believes, but he's just slightly off here. And then you catch up with them years later, and they're completely off. Some of them have just completely walked away from the faith, or they're off in heresy or apostasy, and you just think, wow, that didn't take long. Well, that one degree off doesn't take very long at all. But we are headed into a time of deception. In fact, we're there. Matthew 24, starting in verse 36, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, and the other left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Folks, the price for allowing yourself to be deceived is too great to let it happen. And we've been warned by the Lord. We can't say he didn't warn us. You, too, must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. You know, we if I hear a noise at night or the dogs bark or I get any sense that something's wrong, 
I will come flying out of my bed, grab a flashlight and maybe a weapon, and I will search the house to make sure everything's okay. I am on guard for any sudden events. We should be that way spiritually. We should be that way in our lives. We shouldn't be so casual about what the enemy's doing. We shouldn't be so casual about the things that go into our mind, through our eyes, and into our hearts. Because when that moment comes, it's too late. Because he's going to send out his angels. They're going to gather out of his kingdom all the things that offend and those who practice lawlessness, and they will be cast into the furnace of fire. They will be wailing and gnashing of teeth, and then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's the Lord. That's red letters. Don't get offended. Think it's me. It's Matthew thirteen forty-one through 43. Belief in unbelieving times will save you. Not save you salvation-wise. You already have that. It will save you from the hurts and the pains and the sadness. I know that after the church is taken, as I believe will happen, and the tribulation begins, and the enemy comes forth, people will make decisions for Messiah. And they'll be tortured for it. What you see Boko Haram and some of these other terrorist groups do to believers is what will be going on in the earth in mass. But it'll be a demonic frenzy by the fallen themselves. We need to understand what do you believe And why do you believe it? If you have a family of believers, sit around, get out your Bibles, get out a notepad. What do you believe and why do you believe it? The problem that we've got is we're more worried about deceptive packaging and our products on our shelves than we are from our pulpits. I mean, let's face it, there are laws that say you can't lie about what's in that box or that drawer or that product. And if a warning is needed, like smoking causes lung cancer, heart disease, emphysema, and blah, 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 it's got to be on there. And if you look at the medical medicine commercials, which are pure farce, they tell you about the one thing it treats and the 47 things it'll cause. And we sit and laugh at it. But the fact is, they still sell the product. Even with those commercials, people go, well, yeah, I know there are side effects, but I need this one thing taken care of. Well, why do, why do we do that? Why do we sell ourselves short in every part of our life, including our soul and spirit? Shouldn't we know what that teacher or pe- preacher believes? Shouldn't we know what this packaging is holding on the inside? And if you accept it after all that, it's on you. There's a female preacher out in Oregon. She just came to mind. Oregon or Washington State, either one. Covered in tattoos, pierced in so many different places. Uses profanity when she teaches. She's not even, she's off script, meaning she doesn't really use the word of God. And her sanctuary is filled with people and not just, I mean, older people, young people, middle class, upper middle class, lower class, they're just packing the place. Nobody's getting saved, healed, or delivered. Nothing she says lines up with the word. She is false packaging at its best and still being sold. I don't have time for that. We are too quick to buy a false product that says it's from heaven, but it's not. Says it's from the Lord, but it's not. What did they do in the Old Testament to prophets and teachers? They gave a false lying word from God. Well, if man didn't stone them and punish them, God did. We have a lot of people that are living under a covenant of grace and really pushing its limits. But I think the Lord's allowing it. I believe we've reached that time in Romans where he has allowed a deception to come. People don't want to hear what he has to say. We say America is a Christian nation, but are we? How many babies died today? How much sin and corruption is going on 
in the halls of, of Washington. We, we are so far from being a godly nation, and I will not tickle your ears and tell you what some people tell you. We need to repent. We need to get on our knees, get on our faces, render our hearts to God, because we are in trouble spiritually. But I know one thing. I know one thing. I know more than one thing. A couple of things. I know that Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because of that, I won't be attracted to any strange new ideas about him. That my strength comes from God's grace and not from rules about food or any of those other things. I know that the law was put there to guide us, but now I have the Holy Spirit. I'm under the covenant of grace. I know that because the word tells me that in Hebrews 13, 8 and 9. My answers are in the word. Even some of the unique things that I teach and that I share with you, I line up with the word. It's there. Open it up. Genesis to Revelation. Start reading the word. Don't cherry pick things. Read it. Maybe you have to go beginning to end. Maybe you have to do entire books at a time. But stop jumping around. And when you get to something that you don't agree with or your life doesn't line up with, oh, I'm just going to skip over that for now. I'll come back later. Folks, we're living in unbelieving times. Every time I turn on the television, I have to cringe. Some nights, especially after a Bible study, it would be difficult to find anything just to watch because it so offends my spirit. The false teachers and false prophets have always been among us. How often do you even pay attention to that? I have people send me videos or send me links. Oh, check this person out. Um, somebody sent me one the other day, and it was good. It blessed my soul. But for the most part, 99% of them are things I go, how did this person send this to me? Second Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 1, But there are also false prophets among the people even as there will be false teachers among you. This is not too long after the death, the resurrection, and ascension of the Lord, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. Many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle. And their destruction does not slumber. Whatever those people do is between them and God. I can't stop it. I can't let it bother me. It does make me shake my head when I see the sides of the sanctuaries or, or hear this, about the salaries that they have and the cars they drive, the homes they live in, which I wouldn't even think about doing and saying I serve the Lord. But I also know that a lot of deceived people are filling their offering plate, are filling their online accounts and helping them to live those corrupt lifestyles. If we're going to be leaders and teachers in the church, then there should be an element of respect. There should be an element of trust. And there should be ways to prevent the disorder and confusion I've seen happen. We haven't been a part of a large corporate body in a long time, but one of the things I saw along the way were false teachers and preachers and people that brought in destructive heresies and things that caused so much disorder and confusion. Baby sheep wandered off because it was just too much for them. It was just pure destruction, and it amazed me when the church leaders allowed it to happen, not even considering what it was doing to the flock. Anyone who's going to be a leader or a teacher in his body, first of all, has to care about the body. They should be trustworthy. And they should exercise whatever authority they've been given in a compassionate, loving manner, not as an authoritarian figure. 
been in those places, weren't there long. Everything we do, everything we do as a body is done as a family. Everything we do is done out of love. Everything we do is done for love of the Lord and for his kingdom and for kingdom business and to prepare the way for the king. When I, when I say that, I'm not just trying to be clever with the little catchphrase. I mean it. Clearing a path, making the road straight, bringing people into the family. He is the head of the body. And anyone who takes a position of teaching or leadership or wants to be a teacher or wants to stand behind a pulpit or, or whatever, you, your life better imitate Messiah's. You can't have a mouth that speaks the word in one breath and falsehoods in another. You can't have a pure heart and a corrupt heart at the same time. That's just pure dysfunction. Not possible. Because everything we say and do, no matter where you are in the body, everything we say and do, we're going to have to give an account to God. That's why James says in chapter 3, verse 1, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Teachers will be judged harshly. What kind of food did you feed my flock? That's what it's going to want to know. What are, you, what are you doing? Did you do this because you were supposed to? Did I call you to this? I don't see your name on the list. I mean, I don't know about you, but lately I've been thinking about this, and not just be, I don't not that I believe it's going to be anytime soon, but I say this when I witness the people that are from a different lifestyle, a different choices, a different part of society. This is what I tell them. I don't really care what you do. I'm not going to be standing with you before God. You're going to be up there all by yourself, just you and him. And you are rolling the dice that he's okay with the things that you do. But then again, that's between you and him. I'm not going to be there. That doesn't mean I don't care about them? No. Does that mean I don't care about the outcome? No. But I also believe believe and understand that I can't make anyone's choice for them. So even teachers, false teachers, people I've met along the way, people that I'll probably meet along the way. The Lord tells me to say something, I will. If he gives them gives me a word for them, I'll share it. But for the most part, I just move on. And I just pray that they come to their senses so they don't have to stand before him someday and get replayed for them every wrong thing that they said. Because when teachers and preachers and people that are the heads of denominations and congregations stand before him, the glare in his eye is going to be really serious because the judgment is going to be stricter because they either helped his flock or put his flock in danger. So don't be quick to take that responsibility. Don't be quick to rush out there and teach and, and put yourself up on a stage or behind a pedestal. It requires responsibility. And you should be prepared to be held accountable for what you say and do. But isn't that for all of us? Not even, even if we're not teachers or preachers or leaders in the church, shouldn't we all... Be considerate about what comes out of our mouth. The message we share with others, the witness that we give. You know, even if you go to the store, and this just came to mind, and we've had this happen, my wife and I, you get out to the car and you suddenly realize that there's an item in your cart that you didn't pay for. It may only be a $2, $3 item. Most people would just keep going. What I'll do is I'll pack up the car and I'll take that back inside and I'll go to the, the checkout right by the door and say, hey, I messed up. This was in my car and I didn't pay for it. I've literally had them look at me and their eyes go wide and go, wow, 
Thank you. Most people would have just kept going. And you know what I always say? Nope. I'm not giving the I'm not giving the devil that doorway for a three dollar item. It's not gonna happen. I think the Lord remembers stuff like that. I also think he remembers when we do the opposite too. So no matter who we are, teacher or not, we should be characterized by our wisdom in knowing the word. We should be humble. We shouldn't be argumentative. And I, I, was, I was a lot like Paul when I first got saved. I was very argumentative. Oh, boy. I don't, I, I don't care anymore. If you don't believe that, that's fine. If I've shown you in the Word, not, not good enough, that's fine. Moving on. I don't take it personally. It's not my job to explain it. That's the Holy Spirit's job. It should be sound, whatever we share, whether as a teacher or a witness, should be sound, should be godly, should be edifying, should glorify the Lord. And and here's the big one. And and it, it gets covered in first Titus four two and I mean first Timothy four two and second Timothy three ten. The lifestyles we have should conform, should match to what we profess. Let me say that again. The lifestyles we have should conform to our confession. We had a home church in Tallahassee. Told you about it. We started out with 12 misfits and it grew to about 40 people and the homeless came together. And there was one one woman that started with us from day one. And she was very helpful. She was a seamstress. She made things. She helped us out. She was very committed to the family and to the fellowship. But I started getting phone calls from people that knew I knew her and that she was a part of a home church because we were a recognized registered church. And they would call me up and say, look, I think you need to know this so-and-so is bouncing checks all over town. And after about the third or fourth phone call, I sat her down privately, just, and I said, this is what I'm being told. Is it the truth? Well, you know, sometimes, and, and I said, no, nope, no, nope, I didn't ask you for reasons. Is this the truth? Well, yeah. And I'd known her long enough to know that this was an ongoing issue. I finally looked at her and I said, well, we have a couple of choices here. You can either make this right and go cover all those checks. Or stop telling people you're a Christian and stop coming to this fellowship. She looked at me very shocked. And tears welled up in her eyes and said, you're not listening to what I'm saying. The first choice is the right choice. Go make things right. But if you're not going to, if you're by choice not going to make things right, stop being a bad witness. Stop telling people that you're a believer. And for a period of time she did it. But here, here's my point. I can almost sense people cringing. If you're going to say that you are a believer in Jesus of Nazareth, if you're going to say that you're born again, name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, if you're going to act like you know him, if you're going to lay hands on the sick, if you're going to do all the things externally that we talk about, you internally better be in order. Because all you're doing when you do that is you're helping the enemy. If people find out that after your professions and after your expressions and after your actions, that you're really a liar or a cheat or somebody that's untrustworthy or somebody that they shouldn't do business with, everything you've ever done goes out the window good. The only thing that gets remembered is that, and it gets tacked on to, oh, there goes another fake Christian. Oh, there goes another one of them. I think we've had about enough of that because when we have people in unbelieving times, they want to believe. They want to believe that somebody who believes in Jesus of Nazareth is who they say they are. So go with me to Hebrews chapter 10. It's a long section here, but it ties in all of this. And I hope I'm not offending you. That's not my intention, but it is my intention to wake you up if you're listening and you fit into any part of this. Keep your word. Do what you say. Follow through. Honor the Lord no matter what even if it costs you to do it. 
Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemy. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think how much worse. The punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant, which made us holy as if it were common and unholy, and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. For we know the one who said, I will take revenge, I will pay them back. He also said the Lord will judge his own people. It is terrible things to fall into the hands of a living God. I think back on those early days when you first learned about Messiah. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten. Sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown in jail. And when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. Boy, this is definitely not a recruiting letter for Christian. <laughs> you knew that there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while the coming one will come and not delay And my righteous ones will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. The faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Can you say that about you? Hey, I'm a faithful one. My soul is going to be saved. I'm not turning back. I'm not looking back. Egypt has no allure for me. The word is trustworthy because it's come from the Lord and it's been confirmed by him through the signs and the wonders. And throughout scripture from Genesis to Revelation, we're warned about false teachers and false prophets who quote scripture but give their own interpretation which differs completely from the Bible that they say they teach and what has been historically taught. And as I I worked on this today and thought about it, this is my light bulb moment. The false teaching that we're seeing that we talk about, it creates a destruction and a disease in the body which leads to unbelief. Have you ever met somebody that's been deceived by a preacher or a teacher? And have walked away from the faith. I have. And nothing I say to them can get through until the Holy Spirit heals that wound in their heart. We are called to speak the truth. We're called to speak it in love. But we're also called to forgive. Don't let your wound from a teacher or a preacher become your badge of honor and your excuse as to why you won't help the church or bless somebody who has blessed you. The enemy's in so much of what we see and hear today. The belief in unbelieving times has gotten stronger. Proverbs 12:22 lying lips are detestable to the Lord but faithful people are his delight. Faithful people are his delight. I want to delight him. I like making my Lord happy. I like making my father happy. I like him delighting in my choices and in the things I do. And there are days that I know that I fall short of that. Days where I have to drop my head and go, 
Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. That was my flesh. That was my frustration. That was all these other things weighing on me. And I allowed it to happen. With everything going on in the world right now, both good and bad, are you looking for his return? Or are you listening to those people saying there is no second coming? Or there is no rapture? There is no this or there is no that? Personally, I think they're just making excuses for their lack of belief or the things they don't understand. But I really don't care. I don't have time for it. Do you get up in the morning or do you see something happening and say, Lord, please come soon? That was the book of Acts, church. The expression I used is they had one eye on the job, the Great Commission, and one eye on the sky. They were looking for his return. As Israel is being bombarded and tanks are moving and people are talking about what's going on in all these various places, I'm keeping my eyes and ears open to see a prophecy is being fulfilled. And are we that much closer to his return? But he delights in us. He delights in you. And then as I started to think about all this belief, unbelief, false teachers, all the things that we've talked about for the last 50 minutes, the law of sowing and reaping began to come into my mind. And did you know that the law of sowing and reaping isn't just about money? Although that's what Paul refers to in 2 Corinthians 9, starting in verse this, the point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he decide in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. But it's not just about money. It applies to all aspects of the kingdom of God. So what are you sowing and reaping? Are you sowing grace and mercy and reaping it back? I mean, Think about that. I don't, I don't want to go through it. And I've got some other scriptures here, but I think I'm going to cut them short. But the, the point is this. What seed are you putting into the ground in relationships, in business, in ministry? Are you blessing those who bless you? Are you doing what we're called to do to take care of one another? Are you offering a good word in season? Are you doing everything you can to help one another? What seeds are you planting in your life? Is it fear? Are you planting seeds of fear? Are you planting seeds of frustration, seeds of hatred, whatever the case may be? You can turn on social media and the TV and get angry about what you're seeing. You can get frustrated and I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that or what. But then, well, then what seeds are those? Are those the, are those the seeds you want in your field? It's something I've been thinking about all day because we know the tribulation and persecution is going to arise, and we know that because we're believers. We're going to be persecuted, not like our brothers and sisters in the world, but we're being persecuted. Hollywood makes fun of us in every TV and film show. They take pot shots at millions of people and then snicker when they do it. But good seed into good ground bears a good crop. So the truth about God's grace is this, that God's grace is a seed that we plant in others in a fallen world. Belief in him is a seed that we plant in others in a fallen world. Salvation is a seed that we plant in others in a fallen world. And we may plant that seed, but we may not be around for the watering and we may not be around for the harvest. But we planted it. 
God gets the glory. So what seeds are you planting? Are you planting seeds of failure? Seeds of success? Seeds of peace? Seeds of discord? What season are you in right now? Is it a season of faith or unbelief? I know what season I want to be in. I want to be in the season of the harvest. I want to be in the season of the re- of the reaping. I want to be in the season of, of the salvations and the miracles and the signs and the wonders. So every day I get up with that hope, with that prayer, with that excitement, with that expectation. And if it doesn't happen, I go to bed and I pray for the next day to be that day. And if discouragement comes, I know it's from the enemy, and I fight it off, and I push it off, and I praise it away. I know I'm doing better than most, not where I want to be, but I'm where the Lord has me. So, Father, I'm, I'm going to come to you right now in the name of your Son. On behalf of your sons and your daughters, we come together. We touch and we agree, each and every one of us. If you if you agree with me, just say, I agree. If you raise your hands, whatever it is you do, agree with me right now. Let's touch and agree. We touch and agree for Rhoda's healing. We touch and agree for Pastor Shelley's healing. We touch and agree that you're going to do a miracle for Joel's furry family member, Caesar, for him to encourage him and to empower his faith. We touch and we agree that you're going to protect Israel. We touch and we agree that your grace is flowing through us. Your love is flowing through us. That we're going to get people saved, healed, and delivered. We touch and we agree that whoever's bound right now is free in the name of Jesus. That all bondages are being broken. All lack is being destroyed. All spirits of poverty are being just just driven away. The spirit of discouragement that's on the land right now in the name of Jesus. You came in one way, flee seven, but you can't stay. We all touch and we agree that we're going to be beacons of belief in Jesus of Nazareth, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Jesus the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach. We're going to be beacons of light in a dark world that people are going to find their way to, and we're going to set the captives free. We're going to be like you, Lord. We're going to be about our Father's business. We're going to set our eyes on the goal, our eyes on the prize, which is you. We touch and we agree for each and every one of us to be encouraged and be strengthened deep into their inner man, inner woman, the spirit man. Healings and restorations. Let the rain of your spirit fall upon us right now, Lord. Let the rain fall upon us. Let us be that light that shines in the darkness for that person that's lost. Let our prayers for the lost and the dying and for unsafe family members right now be answered in Jesus' name. Father, help us to be more like you, Lord. Help us. Empower us. Provide for us so that we can go and do, that SRT can do what you called us to do, that the porch and fire vault can do what you designed them to do, that each and every person that's got a calling and know what it is would be fulfilled. That in this time, that we would know that we were born for such a time as this. We were saved for such a time as this. Broken bones healed. Broken relationships healed. Broken hearts healed. Let the signs of the Messiah be activated and manifested in our lives through us to others. Let the seeds we plant bear the crop that you desire. For we love you, Father. We love you, Lord. We love you, Holy Spirit, with everything that we have. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Belief in unbelieving times is held together by the present truth of his gospel of grace. 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Give you shalom. I'm Richard Grun. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. Tyron Matthew here. A lot has changed since we brought the championship home to KC. Being connected is more important than ever. That's why I've teamed up with Consolidated Communications. They're offering a two-year price lock on internet. Their fast fiber network lets you connect better with prices you can count on for two years because some things should never change, especially being able to connect with family and friends. Visit consolidated.com slash two-year lock for details. Service not available in all areas. Terms and conditions apply. Now that we're getting back on the road, the stops we make seem more special than before. Stop to see a friend. Stop at your favorite store. Stop at the places you missed most. And to keep you going between those stops, there's Shell. Stopping to fill up with our best fuel ever. Save with the Fuel Rewards Program. And to get snacks and essentials that can save you even more at the pump. That's just a few of the ways Shell helps you make the most of the stop you need to make. See full terms and conditions at fuelrewards.com.